We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in to another Victory Monday. It is the 27th of November, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, on these morning shows, Scott Kennedy. Scott, we were talking about on the other channel, but a happy, happy Victory Monday to you. Uh, I can't think if it's been maybe more than once or twice this season where both the Falcons and the Broncos have won, but uh, cheers to us uh, and our teams. Uh, yeah, you, you keep saying it like I'm a big Falcons fan, and no, I'm not. And <clears throat> I I went to Auburn. Let's think of that one. Yeah, and nah. uh, and Chelsea <laughs> lost to Newcastle four to one and looked awful doing it. Um, but that said, being part of the community here, it's nice to be able to be excited to talk to y'all again. Now it's getting to be kind of old hat. Win, win, win. <laughs> All we do is win around here in Broncos country. Yeah, I mean. Maybe we'll get used to it. Maybe we'll get to a point where people start to get upset about how you win. Uh, but for now, Broncos country doesn't matter, you know, by air, by land, by sea. Um, you're winning games. And uh, really, this was probably the most enjoyable victory I've seen from the Broncos this season. Now, obviously, the Chiefs game, how they won that one, the Bills, those are better wins overall. But this one was a game that you just simply dominated. And there'll be some areas when you look at the the box score where it could have been a little better here, a little better there. But from the start, I mean, the Broncos marched down the field seven to zero. It's 14 to zero before the end of the first quarter. The Broncos started fast. They were efficient. And then after that, the turnovers started to come uh, on the other side. So really just a dominating win um, from the Broncos and one that they were in control from the very beginning. I mean, I really just it's going to be hard for me to nitpick uh, things in this game. The way the Denver Broncos were playing this was a pretty good bet, so to speak. You know, I, I, I was like, I don't want to jinx y'all. And when Richard's in here, I'll, I'll make sure we'll put in a, the, uh, I'll put in the, the voodoo for y'all about there's just no way you can run the table. But I, I, I'm superstitious as hell. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as Irish as you can get. And I still pick the Broncos to beat the Browns. I'm like, the Browns, okay, they've got a really good defense. Okay, fine. But their offense right now is completely handicapped. Mm-hmm. They're they're without their quarterback. They're without their running back. They're they're just not equipped to come in here and play against the Denver Broncos on the road against the way this Denver Broncos defense is playing. And they went out and proved it because frankly, even though you went out to this nice lead, Russell Wilson wasn't all that sharp in the first half, no. and you still dominated this game. Aspects of this game. Uh, without really even playing your best. That's a sign of a good team. This team is getting good. And the 7-3 and three for me was a little bit of a mirage for the Browns just because I don't think they're the same team that they were a month ago. Mm-hmm. This was a game that the Denver Broncos needed to win. They took care of business. This is a good team. And one thing that maybe this is just my warped Big Ten brain here, Scott, but I felt like this was a Browns team that came in and they were a very physical team on both sides of the ball. I mean, Bill Callahan's been one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL for decades. Now Uh, the Browns obviously were on a historic pace for the defense. Miles Garrett's was the, and still is the leader in the pack uh, for the defensive player of the year in my book. But I came out of this game thinking, man, the Broncos physically in the trenches and with just the mentality of how they're hitting people right now on both sides of the ball, 
can match up with anybody. Uh, they, I, maybe they don't have enough of the, the bevy of weapons. Uh, maybe you don't have enough as far as, uh, horses in the, the pass rush, you know, when it really gets down to it. But as far as the physicality nature, this was a slugget team and the Broncos beat up a bully. I mean, they beat up a bully in this game in the Browns. When's the last time the Broncos beat an AFC North team? It's been a while. I feel like it's been a while. It, it, I think it has been a while. Because y'all got tired of me saying it the, the, in the time that you've known me of saying the Broncos get bullied in the trenches by, by these teams from the AFC North. Not this time. And I feel a comfort level watching this team now. I, I feel like whether it's people getting to be 100% healthy, whether it's familiarity with the system, whether it's Russ is getting a little bit more flexibility at the line of scrimmage to change plays. Pizza, pizza. But, but we're seeing Ben Powers on trap blocks. We're seeing him on pulls. We hadn't seen that. Everything's been straight ahead. We're seeing more complex blocking schemes now, taking advantage of some of the athleticism to cover up some of the deficiencies of a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry and turning him into a strength. He wasn't just a non-liability in this game. He was good. Mm-hmm. Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry was good. Um, taking advantage of what Mike McGlinchey does best. You know, he missed the entire preseason. So now we're 12 weeks in, he's hitting a stride. He was good. He was good in, pa- in pass protection. He was good um, He was good uh, run blocking. The offensive line was really good. We're starting to see things. Being able to plug guys in when, you know, the next man up mentality. P.J. Locke almost single-handedly stopped the first drive. The first three and out was with a guy that you weren't even sure was going to play. He was the fourth on your safety depth chart to start the season. Is really good coaching. It's players stepping up and doing their jobs, and it's belief. It's belief out there. When when you know when they say winning cures all, this is what we mean. Mm-hmm. Everybody's willing to do a little more. Everybody's a little bit better, a step faster, a ten IQ points smarter. <laughs> the anticipation. And Justin Lloyd said he's ready. Let's go. Start the show, baby. We're here. We're ready to go, man. Yeah, thanks, Justin, for the $2 super. All the super chats coming in really help us continue to bring you these Denver Bronco deep dives. Uh, I don't think anybody brings the variety and the volume of content that Mile High Huddle does on these live stream platforms. So they'll keep coming as long as the uh, the support continues to come in from guys like Lloyd. Also, Michael coming in saying, good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Michael, definitely one of the largest benefactors of the show. We appreciate you, Michael. Hope you're doing well. We got Troy Boer coming in, 999, says, Hey, guys, what a great win. We are winning with gobs of turnovers that cannot last forever, but I'm optimistic because the offense still has so much room to improve. Have a great show. Yeah, this was a game that, I mean, Benjamin Solak of The Ringer, who does awesome work, put out an article uh, today where there's a blurb about the Broncos saying that this is still probably not a very good team overall and that the turnover routes coming here. And we got David Heap. Sent it to me this morning. What time are you up, David? I guess I'm on the West Coast, but I saw it at whatever, 4.50, and I was up, and David uh, hit me up on Twitter, says, uh, based on what Ben Solak wrote this AM, I still think uh, it would be an absolute malpractice for the Broncos to run it back with the same group in 2024. Significant roster changes still need to be made. Significant roster changes will be made because you are up against it with a cap, and you're going to have to do some flexibility and maneuvering, and this is still a team that's going to be in flux with Sean Payton getting guys that he wants. So it is going to be, I, it's not going to be a run it back. Uh, Most teams turn over a third of their starters yes. every year anyway, you know, yep. and you're, you're always looking to upgrade. Um, I think the difference here, David and Nick is the guys that we had shipped out the core um, based on, okay, are these going to be cuts are now looking like possible restructures. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Simmons, you know, I, I've said confidently, Justin Simmons will not play on that contract next year. Cortland Sutton will not play on that contract next year. Garrett Bowles will not play on that contract next year. But now all of a sudden, I'm ready for some restructures. I'm ready for mm-hmm. some possible extensions. Two, three-year extensions where you can knock $10 million, so times three, $30 million off of their cap hits next year, but they're still on the team. Which one of those guys do you not want playing for the Denver Broncos next year? I, I want I, them all back now. I need- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Need them all back. Exactly. I want them all back. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, DJ Jones is a question as well. Josie Jewell will be a free agent. A couple other guys that are going to be interesting to see what happens with them, given how big of a role they have uh, for their respective units. But yeah, the Broncos turnover luck, you'll call it as Troy mentioned as well. It's not sustainable, right? They're just I mean, we keep saying that right every week. It's not sustainable. It keeps happening. Maybe at some point it is, but the most turnovers in a four game stretch since 1989 where, excuse me, most takeaways in a four-game stretch since 1989 with 15. You can just go off the numbers there. That's something that's obviously not repeatable, really, because it hasn't been seen since 1989. That's before I was born, Scott. Uh, so um, not to age anybody in the chat, but that is a uh, something that's not totally sustainable. But at the same point, even if the turnovers do regress, as Troy mentioned earlier, which is a very highly probable inevitability, uh, you still have other aspects where you can improve on this team, right? Like this isn't going to be a static team. It's not like the defense is going to be exactly the same as they were. And once the turnovers go away, they turn into a pumpkin. There's other aspects of what they are doing right now, talent wise, scheme wise with Vance Joseph and Christian Parker, uh, that, uh, even if the turnovers do regress some, you can win football games. It just maybe is not going to be as clean and dominating, uh, as we saw versus the Browns this week. But all right, we but- say, yeah. Speaking of historic, we say it's not sustainable, and I know things have changed, but I just looked up the 85 Bears just for the hell of it. How many turnovers do you think they got, that defense, the 85 Bears got? Ooh. I'm not sure. I know turnovers were much more rampant back yeah. then. Um, like, you know, way more of your dropbacks ended up in interceptions, uh, but uh, probably something. God, how many games were even played back then? 14? I'm going to guess they probably they probably averaged about two and a half a game. It was almost four a game. Holy. <laughs> That's stupid. It was. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. Um, let me let me double check. Is that what it was exactly. Oh, wait, that's interceptions. Okay. So it was still fumble recovery was still 27. They had 61. So it was almost four a game. They had 61 turnovers. That's unbelievable. <laughs> 61 turnovers. Um, and I think that's just right. Yeah, in 16 games in the regular season. That's just the regular season because I think they had 22 takeaways against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, they uh, So that's crazy. <laughs> again, three turnovers. They, they don't give the ball away a lot. But again, as, as Troy says, and this is what you know I've been kind of harping on, and I started the show off with it. Again, who are you going against where those turnovers really seemed fluky? Okay. Casey. Okay. Five. That seems fluky. You think it's the last time that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are going to have four turnovers? Probably not. Um, next game, Buffalo Bills. Who did, who's next game? Vikings. Again, replacement quarterback, some turnovers. You're going against the, uh, the Browns, replacement quarterback. There are some turnovers. Now, you're not always going to go against replacement quarterbacks, but the offense – Russell Wilson wasn't that sharp to start this game or you could bury this team. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Payton is playing this game with a, a hand on the handbrake. You know, he's he's he hasn't turned this team loose. He hasn't played this game as like, hey, listen, I need to go score 40 points. He's trusting his defense to go and beat the teams that are on the schedule, which are challenged offensively to a certain extent. 
uh, especially these last couple of games. That, those are the ones I really mean, the last two. I don't need to sling the ball over the place and put it in harm's way to go out and beat the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings with a new quarterback. Yeah, and it's you're playing a lot of field position uh, in this as well with the Broncos. It's not just the takeaway rate that has been incredible from the Broncos, but also the turnovers. What is it? Only three uh, turnovers in the last five games as well from the Broncos offense. Which so it's is, not just don't that's lose more, the game. It's pounding into their edge. You can see the way they play. Yes. Uh, but it's a team that has looks pretty comfortable and playing in those ugly games and playing in tight games. And uh, a lot of those close games, I feel like the Broncos are out coaching and out situational footballing uh, their opponents in a lot of those situations. And when you do that, you can win those tight games at a higher than uh, average clip. Jasmine coming in 1999 super chat. Thank you so much, Jasmine. That is a, uh, Big time help for us. Hope you're doing well. We always appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you on uh, Twitter as well. I see you on there uh, commenting on stuff. So hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend as well. I wanted to look up what was a 15 Super Bowl, 15 Super Bowl for the Broncos. How many, how many turnovers, the 16 game season, how many turnovers do you think they forced? In Super Bowl 50? Uh, and well, I don't know what's, I can't keep track of the Super Bowl numbers. It was a 2015 team. Team. They probably had... I don't know, 38 turnovers. The big thing with that defense was the the points off turnovers. Like they had an unbelievable amount of defensive touchdowns. They had they had 23 interceptions. And then on the defense, fumbles recovered. They had 21 fumble recovered. So again, you're talking more than three per game. Who says three per game isn't sustainable? That's I guess it's possible, Scott. I just the the five I mean, and four 1985 not we're not talking about leather helmet eras i'm just no. kidding i was alive yeah. <laughs> i watched the 85 bears i'm not that old Super Bowl um, shuffle. but it was this was within the last decade a team averaged more than three turnovers a denver broncos team that averaged more than three turnovers yeah i again it is historic still though if you look at the data the most in a four game sample size since 1909 that five and four games that's uh, mm -hmm. kicked it off there are doing a lot of heavy limp lifting over that there will be some regression at some point but i don't think well, the it has defense, it's gone to three it's gone to three yeah and i think there'll be a game where <laughs> you uh you have a zero or you have a one in there mm -hmm. what does the team look like when you're doing that can the defense can the offense score points when you have to march it down the field and we saw it in this game i mean the broncos Third drive of the game. They got it on the 20. Uh, the, the Browns kicked in the end zone, and the Broncos 14-play drive down the field for a touchdown. And when you've got a coach who puts a reserve tight end on fourth and one to run a quarterback sneak, the odds of a turnover go up exponentially. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't like that. Don't have a guy who's anxious, that isn't used to taking snaps, put him in an anxious position where he wants to get the ball as quickly as he can because he's got to jut forward. And the ball's fumbled? Really? No kidding. That's that's shocking. Oh, I'd have been pissed if I was a Cleveland fan at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. Teams are trying to replicate the tush push, the Philly, the brotherly shove, while also protecting their quarterback. And a team like the Browns were already very in a troubling situation with the quarterback. I mean, they're talking situation. about outlawing, outlawing that play. No one else does it like the, like Philly. I've yeah. seen a bunch of a lot of imitators, but nobody, nobody doing it. Well, I mean, I think the Phillies hundred percent on it, but nobody can else. No one else can do it. No. Why should we outlaw that then? Yep. It's uh, you just need a quarterback who can squat, you know, 600 pounds and one of the best, the first, uh, first ballot, all pro Ooh, Michael's first got ballot. some news for us too. want to say hello to Elliot D. Yeah. Hello, Elliot. Good morning. Uh, Dolphins Broncos wildcard. That's possible. And also Frank Reich has been fired. That is I know that uh, Dave Tepper, you know, screamed the F word at the end of the game in this one, but uh, Frank Reich to be fired in his first season, uh, even earlier than that of uh, Nathan Hackett uh, last Nathaniel Hackett last year. That is a uh, rather shocking. My last text exchange with my best friend in here was uh, yikes <laughs> fourth and six and Carolina calls a flanker screen. I, and I responded to him. I said, Reich uh, may not get a second year. I love Shane Steichen. And that was at 402 yesterday. Yep. Um that and I was complaining about, you know, running a Desmond Ritter keeper when you're trying to kill the clock and the guy fumbles the ball, you know, like crazy. That was the one just above that that had an expletive on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh thanks for the keeping us informed. That's 
now the third coach. So the last coach to get fired midseason for non, you know, for performance performance reasons is now not just Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. That's uh that's kind of wild. I know they've been terrible out there, but uh, I can't believe that they uh fired him already. That's uh, that is pretty crazy. Quentin called the ball five dollars saying love the win streak, but we should not let up. Uh Russ looks good. Yeah, Russ did look really good in this game. Scott, I know that you and I are both on the same page here, which I'm glad. Uh, because I thought on the first half the a lot of the calls and the designs were good, but some of the quick passes um from Russell Wilson left, you know, as I like to say, left meat on the bone. Uh, for the offense, you know, a little bit of erratacy. Uh, there was a pretty good play later on where it was a handoff, and I think he dumped it off to Mims really quickly in a short game to get it off and get this guy a chance to make a play, but left some meat on the bone, like I like to say. But the offense still got it done. I mean, 14 points on three drives, and the only reason you get more points on that one is because an incredible play by Jeremiah Wusu koromoa of the Browns, linebacker number six. He was all over the field. Uh, the Broncos were highly efficient uh, in this game overall as an from an offensive perspective to a point that is rather shocking to me against this Browns to me. The Browns again came into this game with the second best success rate any team has seen in the NFL since 2000. And what is a success rate? It pretty much means that you're moving the ball effectively each down. Uh, and uh, the Broncos leave this game with a success rate of, Oh gosh. Uh, the, I guess not incredible, 44% in this game. But overall, it felt much better than that, especially considering your opponent. Uh, So really good job. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Russ did a good job of running the ball. Um, he ducked his head for that touchdown. He ducked his head once he already had the first down too, and that's what caused that fumble. Um, but if you take away his four kneel downs, he was almost five yards of carry um, on, on, on seven carries. So it was seven for... 30, it was 11 for 31 total, and that included four kneel downs. Um, so mm-hmm. Russ, Russell looked good. Let's, but again, part of the 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 game plan here is protect the ball. It's protect the ball. It's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, which the, the Broncos were doing as a team that doesn't like giving up the run. Yeah. Uh, and then take your shots. So let's – I got to loosen up the back end of that defense. Well – it's not going to show up on the numbers on Russ's stats or Cortland Sutton's stats, but a 34-yard pass interference that sets up the first touchdown is part of taking those shots and loosening up, loosening up the back end of that defense. That's mm-hmm. as good as a 35-yard completion, and it's as good not just on the box score but mentality-wise of putting it in the back of the Cleveland Browns' minds on defense that, by God, we can't just go put 11 guys on the line of scrimmage because they will go over the top on us. Yeah, and uh, to the point, something we talked about a lot this offseason with this Broncos team, Scott, was getting a lot more efficient on offense through the run game. Uh, it's one of the reasons we really liked the emphasis, points of emphasis because of Russell Wilson's historical struggles in the quick game. Uh, the Broncos needed to be that much better in the run game to overcome it. And uh, you can really see the dichotomy of the offense in this one, just looking at the advanced stats. Uh, so again, coming back to success rate, wasn't great overall for the game, but the Broncos finish uh, this week incredible uh, rush success rate, which again comes back to the efficiency fifth in the NFL, 51.4% in that uh, their pat drop game success rate third worst in the NFL uh, this week, but their eighth best EPA per play. Now, what does that all mean? It means that the quick game, the overall uh, efficiency with the yards down to down are not great from the pass game, but they're explosive. They're hitting the big plays through the pass game. The run game though did seem some explosives this week, but they're able to move the ball, matriculate the ball down the field through the run game and then hit those explosives through the pass. That's what it needs to be with Russell Wilson. Also, while not taking a single sack in this game against the Browns, you're avoiding the negatives, you're hitting the explosives and you're running the ball effectively, efficiently, where then you are not getting in those third and longs and you can continue to extend drives. this This is the formula. This is what it needs to look like to be good with Russell Wilson. It's never gonna be a shotgun, 40 pass attempts game. If possible, it needs to be a low volume, but explosive game where the run game is doing the, the dirty work between the twenties. The talking about, you were a little surprised by some of those rushing numbers. Let me, let me give you another stat on there that will kind of bring it back. You're like, Oh, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. 
Um, the the Broncos radio crew gave a status in the middle of the third quarter, and I think it was still a pretty tight game at this point. And they said the Broncos have run first 14 first down plays. They've had two yards or less on 11 of those on first down. So they were in second and eight or longer 85% of the time. And that's where that comes in, that efficiency, that can I run on first down when they're expecting the run or, um, you know, incomplete pass. So that that's where you're looking at where those numbers start making a little bit more sense. But you kept at it. You got a lead and you wore them down. You, you know, this is a big, powerful, especially right there in the middle, because Lloyd Cushenberry isn't one that I normally think of as powerful, but he's helping on everything. He wasn't singled up on one guy. They're playing a really wide split on their defensive tackles. And it was, it wasn't just Cushenberry. It was Miners and Cushenberry. It was Powers and Cushenberry. Well, guess who's going to win that on a two-on-one type of play? You know how you get Miles Garrett out of the game? I'll run it for eight yards right up the damn middle of the field in the second half. Yeah, and you're 100% correct on that. We also got Jesse Fraley coming in $5 saying, watch the Broncos doesn't hurt anymore. Go Broncos. Well, it doesn't hurt right now, uh, but uh, now that we have, they have our hearts and attention and whatnot, they're... <laughs> We have a chance to be hurt more, but you know that means we care. Uh, the the losses sting more when you really really care. And uh, Broncos country are playing football that's worth caring about right now. So we'll see what happens going forward. I think there's still thirty five to forty percent playoff probability. Uh, but this next game against the Texans, you win this next game against the Texans, and you are in a really 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 good shot of uh, making the playoffs here and getting that tiebreaker against the Colts. The the uh, Steelers still ahead of you. You don't have the head to head coming up against them. Uh, but if you can beat the Browns, if you can beat the Texans, uh, owning those head to heads might make a huge difference. And then the Broncos beating the Texans next, next week would climb back to 500 in the conference this season, which is the, uh, the next tiebreaker after head to head. So everything's still in front of them. Uh, should be a lot of, uh, really exciting to see. Thank you, Jesse so much for the $5 super. Uh, did want to keep touching on the offense as well, Scott. And one of the reasons that this game I thought was probably the most enjoyable um, for me uh, watching the Broncos this season was the diversity in the rushing attack. Scott, they were in Sean Payton and Zach Streif were in their bag this week with the run design that we saw from the Broncos. It was the trap game. It was double pullers. It was Russell Wilson uh, zone reads there where you have misdirection there and you're leaving miles Garrett unblocked because of what you're doing with the misdirection. You get a, because of the leveraging and what you're doing at the, uh, the mesh point, you're getting him to fly off and make the wrong read. And then you have Russell Wilson running 18 yards untouched around the left side. So I just really want to give a shout out to the, the offensive line in general, but also mm-hmm. the play calling and the run designs here. It was a diverse rushing attack with what they did. And damn, it worked that first half. Uh, I know you're a big Star Wars guy, but I just couldn't help but thinking uh, General Akbar over and over again. It's a trap. It's a trap over and over. Uh, Quinn Miners killing the defensive tackle. Lloyd Cushenberry getting to the next level. Uh, Powers getting to the next level. I mean, the, the traps were amazing in this game. Who had your uh, color call on this game? I don't remember. Mark Sanchez? Well, he he was calling the trap plays. Here it comes again. Yeah. You know, he was. Mark Sanchez does a pretty good job with those, I think, um, for the most part. <clears throat> um but yeah, it was, like I said, towards the beginning, is it the trust, you know, the trust, the health, the freedom to, to check out a place with the familiarity, all of those things are starting to come together, which you expect on a team in its first year with a good head coach. Now I didn't mm-hmm. expect one in five. We didn't expect it to be as slow of a start, but this team is playing to the level now. And for the last several weeks that we thought they could at the beginning of the season. We just didn't expect them to hit the depths of, you know, we talk about floor and ceilings all the time. The floor of this team was not where we expected it to be. We, we didn't think it would be the low of the lows where, you know, five games in, we're talking about the number one overall draft pick being a possibility. Six weeks later, we're talking about playoffs. Uh, roller coaster ride for, uh, for the uh, Denver Broncos, for sure. Yeah, it was pretty amazing to see where they're at right now and starting to normalize uh, based on what we saw. I mean, Scott and I think we both had them at nine, 10 wins uh, when we did the preseason uh, picks. Maybe we will uh, end up being about right there at the end. James Hyatt coming with a $2 super says, we believe the new catchphrase go Broncos. I think the new catchphrase is pizza, pizza, 
Maybe it's crusty, crusty. Uh, did want to give a quick shout out to uh, Little Caesars. They're not sponsoring today's show, but uh, I mean, gosh, with a little pizza, pizza call there from uh, Russell Wilson, I think you have to do it. What a great design! Uh, and the other one that I wanted to touch on, Scott, there was a double pull uh, play where you had not only Ben Powers pull on the run, but you had Garrett Bowles pull, and he just evaporated a linebacker on that play. I don't know what the linebacker did. It looked like he tried to leave his feet, and then Bowles just like killed him but uh seeing again the diversity in the the run game with this one we actually had a positive marvin mims sweep as well which hey it finally worked uh so uh yeah just a really really great job by the offensive line and uh this is probably as good as i've felt about the offensive line in a bit i mean across the board they're playing great it is notable that broncos are one of the rare teams that have all five of the same starters on the offensive line from the beginning of the season right now. I mean, they've again, knock on wood, uh, the injuries have not hit the offensive line. Uh, so that is big with the cohesion and whatnot, but man, the offensive line got it done in this game. I know a lot of people try to make it about Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, blah, 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 but it started up front in this one. They just, they, they enforced their will on an unbelievable Browns defense. I think we need our own Broncos for breakfast shirt of just trenches, 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 Broncos for breakfast. Cause I mean, we, we, we both believe in that. Um, again, it's, it's, it was hard. I, I said it a lot last year, you know, Russell Wilson, this Russell Wilson, that I'm like, I don't know about Russell Wilson. I can't get an evaluation on Russell Wilson because he has no time to do anything. He's he's under duress on every single snap right at the snap. I don't know. Well, now I know he's playing pretty good football. Yeah. You know, is he all pro? No. Does he have to be? No. Um, and his style doing, of play. He's doing he's playing really efficiently well and winning games like, oh, he's a game manager. He's a game manager with a five game winning streak. Yeah. And there's something we talked about this offseason a lot. And when things were going poorly for Russell Wilson, there are some quarterbacks who have the ability to overcome weaknesses on the offensive line just because of their style of play. I mean, I think about some of the offensive lines that Peyton Manning had in Denver. They were bad guys. I mean, they just straight up were, but the Broncos knew because of the Peyton Manning's brain and the style of play and how good he was in the quick game that you could overcome some of that. Russell Wilson holds onto the ball and he struggles in the quick game. So that puts more of an onus on the offensive line to be good and the run game to be good. And he's, Sean Payton, I think, under pocket. Yes, and I think Sean Payton understood that uh, coming into this. We have to build the offensive line if it is going to be effective around Russell Wilson because he is very much dependent on the run game being efficient and the offensive line to hold up because he holds onto the ball so long. And we started to see that uh, come around these last few games of the Broncos. The offensive line has become probably the singular strength of the offense. Which is, that's a good thing. Yes. You can do a lot. You can have a lot of fun if you if you got a dominant offensive line. Uh, Justin coming back in. Thank you, Justin. He says, Peyton squared. We need to see a draft pick with these two men. I believe Peyton is a good judge of talent and he hasn't had a first round pick yet. I think, uh, he had the Pat Sertan. He had, sat, he had Pat Sertan that hit yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, he had Pat Sertan on that. Um, but you know, Peyton hasn't, I'm, I'm over at least one on my calls on George Peyton and whether he'd be here or not. And Broncos keep winning like this, then you, why would he want to move? You would hopefully Sean Payton would relinquish some of the control and trust George Payton more. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm on record several times of saying, I'll be shocked if George Payton is the, the general manager of this team come August 1st of next season. But right now I would certainly hedge that. I'd like to reel that one back in. Um, Cause right now you wouldn't, you're going to make your normal season to season changes based on trying to upgrade positions with available uh, resources that you have. But I, I want to feed and fan this group. I don't want to try and tear it apart right now. And I think that there is some belief and trust there. We, I know it was a little bit of a different circumstance because Sean Payton brought in this guy, but the patience and trust that we saw with Vance Joseph of this team, it had been easier to fire him when things were wrong and bad. And, Gave him the benefit of the doubt. Now the defense is playing really good. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they can do going forward with Vance Joseph. Uh, but I think it's similar to George Payton where it was bad early, but I think Sean might give him you know a little bit of the benefit of the doubt again. Didn't bring in George, so it's a little different than Vance. But uh, I think there is some trust there. And when you trust guys and they you know turn it around, I think that really breeds you know allegiance to some uh, yeah, of these guys. Loyalty, you know, loyalty, loyalty yes. to. Uh to Peyton and um, you know, for, 
like I've, I've said, he's, he's an SOB. I've said it a zillion times, but he's your SOB. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a guy you don't, you don't mind. I don't, I don't, I don't have to go. I still said I wanted him as this coach and was like, you know, the first round draft pick for Sean Payton. Yes, do it, please. And don't complain about it. Um, but I, yes, I, I, I would advocate for keeping the structure of this team together moving forward. And again, back to David Cromwell's point, you know, are you, is this sustainable? No, you're not going to win every game. That's not sustainable. <laughs> you will, you will lose again. I, I it's going to happen. Um, but are you in headed in the right direction? Again, do I want, do I trust this group to get it right? That I want to give them more resources and more time to keep going in the direction they're going. Yes. Yes, I do. And Nick, before we kind of take a look at the, you know, the what's next for this team, the rest of the schedule, let's, let's talk a little Baron Browning. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, roughing the passer, or personal foul penal penalties, unnecessary roughness penalties have been a big point of emphasis with this Broncos team throughout this season. The call against Baron Browning was bunk. Um, I, the, the, the ones against Kareem Jackson, I'm sorry, Broncos country, when you tackle like you're an armless man, you're going to get personal fouls called on you. He, he tackles either crosses his arm like he's doing the undertaker or puts him to his side. And he, if, if he tackles, like I said, that's the best way I can put it. He tackles like he doesn't have any arms. That's dangerous. That's against the rules. Baron Browning did zero, zero wrong. Uh, he kept his head up. Didn't hit him, you know, led with his shoulder, maybe got a small piece of his face mask, but I still don't even think that happened. Yeah. Didn't go down with him. Uh, quarterback, DTR's coming out one way. Browning's going the other way. That's 450 pounds of collision. Someone's going to lose that. And it was fair. It was legal. It was clean. And it was wrong. And I'll be shocked if Baron Browning is fined for that hit. Yeah, he shouldn't be. Uh, that was just, you know, hard football being played. And that's going to happen sometimes. I did not think it was malicious at all. And if you don't, at some point, I'm, I'm with Tom Brady on this. At some point, the onus needs to be put on some of these offensive players to protect themselves. That was a guy trying to go out there and make a play. But he put himself in that situation full aware. That was not a defenseless player that took a hit without knowing. That was him trying to get out there and make a play. And Sometimes when you're playing that game, you're going to take a risk like that. And a guy like Browning with his athleticism can make you pay for it. And he certainly yeah, and did. Not, it was I'm not, not dirty. The malicious part of it. I'm not going to try and regulate intent malicious no. or not to me is irrelevant. If you duck your head and hit a guy with the crown of your helmet, you know, from neck up, it's a foul. Well, I, I wasn't, it wasn't malicious. I didn't mean to, it doesn't matter. You, you can't do that. You're, you're putting yourself in the position to do that by ducking your head. I don't care if you meant to or not irrelevant. So technically speaking, he did nothing wrong, yeah. you know, just from a letter of the law, from a rules point of view, from a spirit of the game point of view, he did nothing wrong. I have yeah, a problem and that with that. And, and like I said, I'll, y'all have listened to me on here and I'll go after Kareem Jackson for being reckless and I don't want to say stupid, but when you keep jumping in like this, you're going to keep getting personal fouls. You've got to change the way you do things. Just lift your head. Get your arms out from up your side. Yeah. I'll be all over that one. I have no sympathy for Kareem Jackson and what he's he's gone through right now. None. Mm -hmm. Baron Browning's different. That There was nothing wrong with that hit. Zero. I agree with you. And that does... Luckily, we don't have to spend too much time on the refs in this game, but I did think the refing was pretty poor uh, overall. That Baron Browning one took a, luckily that was a ball don't lie uh, moment. I think the Broncos got the ball back pretty soon after that. I think it was the DJ Jones turnover almost immediately after that. If not, it was a punt, uh, but the Broncos got the ball back quickly. I thought the PJ Locke unnecessary roughness call that ended up uh, extending the Browns drive and gave them their only touchdown. Uh, after that call, I thought that was also bunk, uh, after, especially after David and Joku just early that drive made a play where it had been like grabbing a penny off of the, a backboard. I mean, he made an unbelievable jumping play to make uh to make a first down and Locke is going to break up the pass. The ball is way high. He's not looking, you know, trying to run to make a tackle with his head, you know, 
180 <laughs> degrees looking up. He's trying to dislodge the ball. And the way to do that is to make contact with the receiver. Uh, and I did not think it was a his head or anything malicious at all. It was a bad throw. And he was just trying to dislodge it if it was there. So I thought that was a really terrible call. Uh, also two calls on Cortland Sutton in this game. They called a holding penalty on an amazing run where Sutton blocked two guys on the outside. Maybe they got the number wrong on who it was, but I went back and watched that a couple times. They called it on number 14. I didn't see it. They showed Sutton looking beside himself on that afterwards because it was just an unbelievable play. And you're not getting explosive runs unless your wide receivers are contributing. Uh, and then there was the offensive pass interference, which Sean Payton after the game said that we're counting that as a, a catch for Sutton in our grades and films. Cause that was yeah. a, if he has terrible. incentives and he comes up 15 yards short of a goal, we're paying him. We're paying him those incentives. D Porter yeah. comes in and he's, he's on the same page with us. He says, good morning, MHH. Great win. Should we just convert the league to two hand touch? That hit from Browning was a hard football hit and nothing more. When does it stop? Y'all have heard me say that whether you like the sport or not, international football soccer is really, really cool. The way they handle things. The general aspect uh, aspect of it, the player movement, that type of stuff is really awesome. The consequences for losing are harsh. And they relegate referees too. They mm. had a referee who had, who had refed at the highest level in Champions League games, been elevated. He got knocked down to the second tier because he had missed so many calls. He got, we call it promotion, move up, relegation, you move down. They have... I think five leagues, professional leagues, but that you can play one, two, three, four, five. He got moved down into the second division uh, for at least a week because of uh, uh, poor performance. Wouldn't some accountability out of the officials be nice too? These guys make $250,000 a year. I'm sure there'd be some people willing to step up and do that job. If you needed a group of reserves in there to promote and then relegate. Yeah, not, not a banner week for officials in uh, either side. But uh, yeah, thank you, D Porter, so much. Uh, that was a hard hit, and I think that was a ball-don't-lie moment, too, with the Broncos getting the ball back almost immediately afterwards. We also got the old man, uh, soon-to-be future grandpa here, Darren Kendall. Hope you're doing well, Dad. I always appreciate you coming in. It's uh, been fun. He's been texting me. He's got the vibes again, too, watching this Broncos team. He says, no matter how it happens, winning always feels better than losing. Absolutely, Dad. I appreciate you coming in. Hope you're doing well. Glad you made it back. Uh, home to the uh, the Quad Cities after some time in uh, Colorado with uh, the sister. So thanks, Dad. Hope hope Mom's doing well, too. Yeah, appreciate the support. Uh, appreciate your kid over here. He's a, he's, a, he's a good one. You did good, Dad. Maybe. Well, we'll t- time will tell on that one. Uh, bigger sample size, as <laughs> I like to say, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, overall, did want to highlight a few more uh, players before we start to wrap it on up in here. Uh, the defensive side of the ball. The Broncos, again, come away with three turnovers in this game. That is rather improbable but this was probably one of the the better games from the broncos defense as far as doing what they need to do on first and second down in order to unleash themselves a bit on third down uh the broncos even during the win streak scott have been dreadful in their success rate so teams are moving the ball pretty effectively against them especially on first and second down i think the broncos are 31st in the nfl in success rate on first and second down since week five so what does that mean? It's a lot of third and shorts. And when it's third and short, it's pretty damn hard to pin your ears back and get after the passer and do any sort of exotics. Because when you run these exotics, you're going to have these massive holes and whatnot. It's easier to exploit this game. It felt like the Browns were pretty consistently third and seven plus. And because of that, we got to see some really fun blitz packages from Vance Joseph in this game, utilizing Benito, who had his best game in a while. Uh, some Coming free. Yep. He- He's got the athleticism that if he's unaccounted for, he can make a difference. They did a good job scheming him open. He had a few straight up wins too. There was one drive where he hit the guy and then also knocked the ball in the next one. Uh, Browning was great in this one as well. And then we started to see a little bit of usage with the, the linebackers as well. Drew Sanders, if you're getting into third and long, the looks with Drew Sanders out there at the edge or lineup as a mug linebacker, sending PJ Locke with a simulated pressure where uh, you have a I believe it was Cooper and Josie Jewell drop off with seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Uh, pretty darn incredible uh, to see the Broncos do that here. So that's a real point of emphasis. I think we need to touch on going forward for this team. Can the defense continue to win on first and second down to give themselves third down uh, looks where they can be aggressive. And one guy I did want to shout out again. I was thinking about it really turned around from the beginning of the season, maybe arguably your most valuable front seven player over this win streak, 
Zach Allen has been a man possessed. He is playing unbelievable football. The safety, it was supposed to be a pick play. He beat both guys on it on that twist and stunt and uh, got at him. I mean, he's been really awesome. Still not a very good run defender overall uh, when he's you know a little bit lighter. Doesn't really have that base to, to anchor as much, but he's been awesome. Did want to give a shout out to Zach Allen. He's been he's been so good for the Broncos over the last half of the season. Drew Sanders had 21 snaps on defense. That's the most he's had since week four uh, against the Chicago Bears. After that, it was 0 13 4 4 2 0, and he had 21 snaps. And, uh, you know, we said going in, Nick, that this would be the type of team you would want to face where you would, wouldn't would mind an experience. You want big and athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not, I, I kind of bristle when people try and make this game overly complicated. <laughs> it's not. It's, you know, so it's not like, hey, it's not like a genius here. No, it's not. It's not that hard to figure out. This team wants to run the ball. They're going to be challenged throwing the ball. Let's get big. Let's get fast. And, uh, you know, that's that's smart. Don't try and out. Coaches sometimes get accused of overthinking. There's no need to get cute. Let's 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 play smart football there. They want to run the ball. Let's get big. Let's get fast. Okay, well, that that makes sense. Um, Love Zach Allen. Uh, that was a guy that we were pushing for in, uh, in free agency made sense. Still for me, the single biggest difference on this team, on the defense personnel wise, I mean, everybody's playing better, but personnel wise is Baron Browning. Baron Browning is different on the edge. When he goes up against the left tackle from his right side, he's really the only player out. I see that they can just flat out rock a guy backwards who can win with power, who can win with speed, and you don't want him to be one-on-one outside, and that changes things. Zach Allen got better when Baron Browning came in the game. P.J. Locke was playing well off of that right side. That whole side of that defense just improved the second Baron Browning was out there and is healthy. Long may it continue. Yeah, they've definitely been a lot better with him uh, back there, just adding another athletic piece up front, and I don't – I mean – correlation isn't causation, but as soon as uh, Baron Browning started getting on the field, you started to see a little bit more from uh, Zach Allen and whatnot. I still think it's a team that up front, you're probably missing a few guys. I mean, I don't want to disparage too many guys after a win, uh, but I thought some of the edge setting against the run against better teams might be an issue there. Uh, Cooper's solid there, but I didn't think this was his best game in that department. And then Purcell and Jonathan Harris. I mean, they did their job for the most part in this one, but those are two areas that I would be looking for the Broncos to make large upgrades uh, this offseason. Again, I I think you see the formula here. If you can get to third and long, you have a variety of weapons that are very versatile. Um, the Baron Browning, Nick Benito, and Drew Sanders, those are guys who are as good, well, maybe not as good, but both threats pre-snap to either rush the passer or drop into zone. And with where t- defenses are playing nowadays, having that versatility is huge. But in order to get to the dessert that is third and long, hmm. you have to win on first and second down. Broncos have not done that consistently enough. Can they do that going forward where we can get to these third downs? We'll see. But uh, that is definitely going to be a point of emphasis, I believe, in the offseason for the Broncos. Get better with their personnel on first and second down so you can get to those exotics. Front front seven. I think yeah. that's uh, – I, I, I agree with you 100%. Mr. J, why so serious, comes in with a super chat. Appreciate you being here. Feels like a new name. I'm pretty sure I'd remember that one. He says he's glad he found our channel. Sir, where are you from with that y'all's channel? I love it. He says, uh, officiating was garbage yesterday. However, the Broncos overcame and did what they needed to do. Awesome. Seeing so many takeaways. Hoping for a 12-5 and five finish this season. Is that all? 12-5? and five? Uh, I'm so glad I found y'all's channel. We're glad you found us too and appreciate the support. Um, there's a lot of probably folks watching for the first time. We got a lot of, a lot of people watching right now. It's one of our bigger shows. Love to see the growth, uh, hit that subscribe button and, or to make sure you get notifications when we go live. Um, love having y'all in here. Nick and I have a blast doing this with doing this with y'all and it's been a whole lot more fun the last six weeks. That's for sure. Yeah. Has been a lot more fun and we'll see if the good time can keep rolling here. The Broncos have probably their biggest game of the year coming up here uh, versus the Houston Texans who lost a very tough matchup. But I mean, is it crazy to say this is a play-in game for the playoffs, Scott? I yes. mean, with the, it is crazy to say yes. that. You okay. can lose this game. 
It gets really hard. It gets really hard, but game. I think 10 and 7, and you've got a pretty good chance still. I, I think, where are we at? 4 and 2? Mm-hmm. 4 and 2 to get to 10 and 7? I think that gives you a decent chance. Um, so, no, I don't think this is an elimination game. I just want to get into some of the uh, conversation around that. And thank you so much, uh, Mr. Why So Serious. Uh, appreciate the uh, joker there. We also got Coach Chris coming in here, too, before we uh, move on to this point. I saw Ethan's hanging out, too. We got all the uh, the old names in here, The, uh, the our favorite people. Good morning, fellas. We are so desperately in need for a middle linebacker. I like Alexander, but Jewel seems lost. Man, Coach, I do not see it the same as you. Uh, how good is Patrick Sertan? What an insane talent. Does Santa have a playoff berth for the Broncos? Enjoy the rest of the week. I've actually had the chance to uh, talk a little bit with, uh, you know, um, some former Broncos that uh, played linebacker and uh, they are quite impressed with uh, Josie Jewell as well. You know, a lot of the, the pre-snap reads and stuff out there, he's just always in the right spot. He is a limited athletic player, but uh, I think from what I've got watched this season, um, Jewell is vastly outplaying Alex Alexander Singleton. Singleton is a little bit more of a hair on fire player, um, but he's missing tackles at a very high rate this season and uh, has been out of place far more often uh, than Josie Jewell. It would be nice, obviously, to have a little bit more athleticism from that spot, especially if you want to become a very heavy simulated pressure team. Athleticism matters more at linebacker for blitzing than in any other area of the game. Um, But uh, I would would have to disagree with uh, Coach on this one. I think uh, Josie Jewell is a much better player. And I I think, um, Chris, I... Jewel is out of contract at the end of this year, so he may not be back regardless. Um, Singleton has some decent guaranteed money next year, so he will probably be back. But is Drew Sanders supposed to be your guy? I mean, that's that's what I think. You, you draft him, and it, it was set up well where I can ease Drew Sanders into this with one more year of Josie Jewel, and then I can physically get an upgrade. And I mentioned earlier this is the most that Drew Sanders has played in in months, literally in months. And this was the perfect team to play him against. I don't think I want to see him out there against the Chargers. Um, but, uh, you know, coming up next, or maybe even the Texans, honestly, yeah. with uh, with as much as they're going to sling the ball around, I want to see them against a run-heavy team. You aren't going to see a more run-heavy team than the Browns. It was a good time to get some confidence back in him mm-hmm. and get him out there and, and get it where it's not – his head isn't swimming so much. But I, I think Sanders might be your – at least he's supposed to be – your long-term replacement at, at inside linebacker. He's going to be one of the possible uh, options there. He, again, he's still swimming. One thing you, we did talk, you mentioned Sanders getting a lot more usage in this game. I do think part of it is just the game flow as well. Uh, because the Broncos were so good on first and second downs, you didn't have to worry as much about the run fits. It was more drop or rush kind of stuff from Sanders. And when you have the lead and it's third and long, you can do that. You don't have to worry as much about the super disciplinary and what is my run lane here? What are my run fits? Uh, so I think that was this is a game that played out great for the Broncos to get Sanders usage. It mm-hmm. could have been a different situation, though, if the Broncos fell behind uh, and you are having to stop the run much more. I don't know if that's Sanders game right now, uh, but the lead and uh, how how often it was third and long in this game just really led itself to a Drew Sanders game and hopefully he can continue to get confidence out there. Cause he is a different athlete than those other guys, but it is a, a neck up position still at the end of the day. Yeah. You can sell out to stop the run against when you're going against a backup quarterback rookie. Um, I have quite, I need to ask some folks. I'm like, I wonder what the reputation for DTR came out of UCLA was. Cause he had, he's their all time leading passer and he's like ninth in rushing. Uh, was he just a guy who put up numbers and wasn't all that great? Or, you know, was, was they consider him being one of the best that they've they've had there because they've had some good ones there. I think it's a lot of Pac-12 defenses during his era uh, not being yeah. good and also starting as a true freshman. So he had a lot of opportunities uh, to accumulate count statistics. He's I think he's a fine backup there. What was he, a fifth-round pick? I mean, that's he, – yeah. he's feisty. I, I looked, I'm like, I bet he put up some numbers at UCLA. I'm like, oh, yeah, he did. He's yeah. all-time leading passer, and he's like their ninth all-time leading rusher. So he put up yeah. some numbers there playing for, you know, Chip Kelly, whose quarterbacks tend to put up some numbers. I just don't know, you know, Brett Hundley was really good there. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. Troy Aikman was a number one overall pick. They've had, they've had some guys. Cade McNown was really good at UCLA. Uh, I just wonder where they felt he was like, oh yeah, he was awesome. Or no, he was just kind of a stat hound. Yeah. 
he played a lot in an era where there's not a lot of defense in the Pac-12 other than Oregon and Utah. Uh, but uh, he's a fine backup um, for sure, and we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I hope he's okay also. I mean, he took a hard hit. He put himself in the situation to take that hard hit, but uh, was left the game with a concussion. Hopefully he's okay. I mean, that was, that was a violent hit, but that's going to happen with these level of athletes out there. Mr. Roush comes in and said, are there any free agents that can help us with the run? I feel like we can help the, the missed tackles as well, stuffing up the run better. I don't know if there's anybody out there this moment that's going to make a bigger difference on your team than anybody you already have in-house. Uh, you really just need guys that you have uh, to stay healthy and keep improving. Um, that's uh, Hennessing. You have uh, Harris, Purcell. Uh, hopefully those guys can stay healthy and continue to improve. I thought that when the Browns were really moving the ball on the the third drive of the game, maybe fourth drive when they, the game was still close. It looked like they found something where where's number 92 on the Broncos defensive line. We're going to run it at that gap. We're going to double team that guy and clear him out. And he's going to be out of the play. So yeah. defensive line is definitely an area that uh, needs work. And I was thinking next year, actually, oh, when you said free okay. agents, I'm not even considering free agents for this year. It's like, if they're, if they're not playing for a team now, they're probably not all that great. <laughs> um, I don't know who there might be an exception out there like, Oh, he's still sitting there, but you know, getting into game shape and all of that type of stuff. And you could probably pluck somebody off a practice squad that could help, but I was thinking more next year. Um, but Mr. Rush, I've made this point in the background and it's been said, but I haven't said this uh, on one of our shows live, but when I've got the same guy who leads the team and leads the, the NFL in tackles and missed tackles, I know he's getting too many opportunities. He's getting too many opportunities because the front of the Denver Broncos defense isn't doing enough to stop guys before they get to Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell. Um, that, and, and that's a concern that we've had since August uh, when we when we lined up. And Nick, Nick was the first to brought it up and bring it up. And then when he pointed out, I went, oh my God, the, Jonathan Harris? That's, that's one of your starters? Oh no. Um, but again, they've done such a great job of scheming around deficiencies, whether it be Fabian Moreau on the outside, Jonathan Harris in one spot, Nick Benito in another, all of these guys are flawed players, but all of them have something that they can bring. I think Vance Joseph has been a good job, done a good job of scheming to strengths. And I also want to say, I, I didn't cover the Broncos when Vance Joseph was here. So one of the things that I've now that he's having success and I see it, one of the things I find so that I find what I like about listening to him in his press conference, he's so calm. Mm -hmm. He's, he's just a calming influence, whether, you know, they're at the bottom, he's at the bottom of the ocean after that Miami game. And he was still super calm. He wasn't combative. Like we've seen from Vance Joseph, like you've seen from a guy out in Atlanta, like we've seen from Sean Payton at times super calm, super professional. And when you're not having success, you're going to take what could be considered a strength of somebody and pick out. It's like, dude, show some emotion. What's the matter with you? But as he has weathered the storm and I'm, I feel like I'm using, you know, a, a ship type of, uh, you know, boat on this, you know, weather the storm, super calm seas, man, he's been fantastic. He's done a great job with this team, Nick. There's just no two ways about it. Yeah, and I mean, teams are moving the ball pretty efficiently versus the Broncos, and uh, eventually the the turnover rate, you'd have to assume, would become a trickle. Uh, again, the most turnovers in a four-game sample size since 1989 is pretty unbelievable, uh, but the defense, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to pivot in a different way to hope overcome some stuff, and did want to give a shout-out. We did, you know, Vance Joseph does deserve a lot of credit, but also, again, I every chance I get to sing his praises, I take it of uh, Christian Parker, what the Broncos have done with the back end of the defense, considering the, the turnover that, I mean, the Broncos have been relatively healthy this season, other than the back seven of the defense. Uh, you've had a lot of uh, poor play turnover guys shuffling out there, especially at that safety spot, but also Jaquan McMillan, uh, Fabian Moreau. I mean, S Scott, we've seen, you can f firsthand know what Fabian Moreau is like in Atlanta and he's playing damn good football right now. I mean, that's, we got to give a real shout out to Christian Parker for them. PJ Locke. I mean, the, what he's looked like out there being a guy who they signed for nothing this off season, anybody could have signed him and he's making plays left and right. I mean, Christian Parker has these guys trusting what they're seeing, playing intense and just playing well above what you're 
ex- expectations should be for them. So that's a sign of a very good coach. Uh, yeah, Christian Vance Parker. Joseph's the defensive coordinator. So the whole umbrella. Yes. All the yep. way down. Uh, credit to all of them. I just, you know, the guy at the top of that yeah. um, of that org chart is going to get the credit. Yes. And I get the feeling that Vance Joseph is the time to share the credit. Um, yep. You know, it's just, we don't, we're not talking to him all the time about that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and the point so, of Christian Parker too, is I think this, Enjoy him right now. I really think he's going to be coaching somebody as a defensive coordinator next year. I think I think it's time with what they've had this year overturn wise to be that good uh, has been amazing. Somebody's going to want some of that. How about Carolina? They've got you could replace this year. Evero. actually, the the Panthers defense played pretty well yesterday because uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Rocket says off topic. But I'd like to say I'm thankful that Denver has smart owners who care so far. Watching what's going on in Carolina, having the right owners matters. Yeah. I- <laughs> I kind of got a chuckle last year when people were talking about the ownership when they'd been in place for like, you know, 45 minutes when the team was struggling. Well, where's the ownership? You don't hear from owners, you know, unless you're Jim Aris. Typically, if you hear from owners, it's a bad thing. You know, support the guys, hire the right people, commit the dollars that you need with, with free agents and signing bonuses and stuff, invest in the team. And hopefully you're making the right hires and sticking by those guys uh, until it's, you know, obvious time to to not stick by those guys. But so far, I don't think you have anything to complain about with ownership. The Denver Broncos are really, really lucky to have the owners they have. Yeah. Appreciate the comment, Mr. Rocket. Yeah, appreciate you, Mr. Rocket. We appreciate everybody coming in today. Um, We're at an hour and I got to get on into the office here. So, uh, did want to give a couple more shout outs here. Samaje Pirine. Um, I wrote an article this week saying the Broncos need a little bit more efficiency from the run game. Uh, they're pounding the rock, but we just need a little bit better success rate, you know, yards per carry. Probably that comes on the back of Javante Williams. I didn't know if they'd lean more into Samaje Pirine. Pirine ran the ball really effectively in this one, Scott. Uh, I mean, maybe that is something that we want to start to see a little bit more. Seven carries for 55 rushes. I know a lot of them were really nice designs on the traps as well, uh, but maybe we do want to see P Ryan get a little bit more usage in the running game uh, going forward. So I did want to give a shout out to uh, him in this game. And then again, circle it back around. The Broncos really have just one guy in the past game right now that I think is playing at a phenomenal level where they're going to get theirs no matter what. And that is Cortland Sutton. I think, I mean, Judy was almost invisible in this game, which is fine with how the game plan worked out. Mims had a few plays here and there, but uh, Judy is the guy in the past, or excuse me, Cortland Sutton's the guy in the past game. I think we need to give him another shout out for this game. He could have had a really explosive game, really close to having an unbelievable touchdown in the back of the end zone, the bad offensive pass interference. Cortland Sutton's playing at a phenomenal level right now. And uh, I think we in Broncos country, we have been appreciating it. Stats sheet won't bear it out as much in this one, but another great game from Cortland Sutton. He is playing probably the best football of his career right now. Yeah. Throw another 35 yards on pass interference on him. Yeah, you know, again, that 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 counts. That loosens up the defense, the back end of the defense. It makes it easier. And you yeah. said P Ryan, but again, Javante Williams did the dirty work in there. Yes. He was the body blow guy that opens things up for P Ryan uh, later on. Would it be good to switch those roles every so often, uh, where Javante Williams could then be the guy who benefits from second half defenses, maybe? Because um, I think Javante was getting a little banged up yesterday. I bet he had a nice bath and he deserves a deserves a nice day off today yeah and the last one i'm sorry one more i did want to give a shout out to specifically needing highlighted in this game has got to be uh he don't forget mom is a broncos fan too i shout out to mom (laughs) of course i saw you guys in packer jerseys this weekend don't don't give me too much gruff here uh but the uh because my brother-in-law and sister are packer fans but uh did want to give also a shout out thanks dad for the 499 super um somebody who I was very, very hard on entering the season and what the contract was felt like a guy who was inevitably to move on from. We kind of already touched on it, but maybe the best game of his career from Garrett Bowles, considering the situation against Miles Garrett, who is playing at a level we are not seeing from another defensive player this season. Miles Garrett did look like he banged up his shoulder on this one. Broncos, again, bullied the bullies, uh, but Garrett Bowles had a unbelievable game and he's along with uh, Cortland Sutton and Justin Simmons becoming guys that I can't imagine a Broncos team without next season, which is going to be tough with the contract stuff to David's point earlier about roster turnover and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Garrett Bowles, what a hell of a game. Um, he needs his flowers as well. I mean, going against miles Garrett and playing that well is rare air. 
Yep. Like I said, there's, there's flexibility with those contracts, which is, which is nice. Good job, George Payton, um, on, on setting up those deals so that you could have some flexibility on them and you're not tied to long-term guaranteed deals where the, where the salary cap becomes very, very real. The only one of those it's, there's two of those right now that are concerning. One of them's huge. That's Russell Wilson. And then really the only other one that is like that is, uh, Mike McGlinchey. Everything else is you've got per, decent flexibility on. Yeah, absolutely. You have a lot of flexibility with what the Broncos can do. It's going to be a fun team um, for the Broncos, but uh, we're going to have to get on out of here. Uh, we, Quentin says, sorry, missed the show. Well, that's okay. Cause we are here after the fact as well. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to it again on YouTube. Uh, we always appreciate that when you guys come in and do that and um, hit us, you know, comments or whatever you can find Scott on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH way too active on Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, if you want to talk ball, I'm around. Uh, always appreciate that. And uh, make sure you're also following us on Twitter at mile high huddle, of course, as well as at BFB underscore pod. If you are on the uh, metaverse out here on Facebook, make sure you join us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as this ticker says here underneath, please subscribe to our show over on mile high huddle, like the channel and share on your social media platforms. Uh, Scott, any points of emphasis that uh, we didn't get to today? I mean, there's so much to break down with this Broncos again, five wins in a row, very tough game. I mean, they've beaten playoff bound teams in this stretch as well. And again, this was the game I felt as good about the Broncos winning this one as I have all season. The game has not passed Sean Payton by Russell Wilson is not washed in trenches, trenches, trenches. Absolutely amazing. Yep. We love it guys. Uh, enjoy your victory Monday. Uh, we will see you again later on mile high huddle. Appreciate that. Make sure you're checking out the page for all the written content as well. You guys have a great rest of your day. Have a good Monday following a happy cyber Monday and uh, always choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. <laughs>